Happy Monday. It's the Fan Morning Show with Justin and Ailish, Sports on 590 The Fan. It's an exciting day, week, year, month, millennium. But today's the day on the calendar for me. Big circle in red. <laughs> I'm so excited. That was, yeah, that's the, uh, that's an excited face. I wish people could have saw that face. That is the excited face. Uh, big, big day. Mm-hmm. Big day. Lay we it out it. for us. Lay it out for Folks, us. Folks, we made it. Today's the day that I officially go pick up my puppy and bring him home to start our life together. I can't wait. Hurry up with the show. Let's just <laughs> yeah, zoom let's get through. through this. Let's um, get through this. Because he's waiting. So I, after Is it the show, like beeline to wherever you need to go yeah. right after this? Yep. When did they say you could come? Anytime. Is it anytime? I'm surprised you didn't have a sick day today. <laughs> I should have. Little, I might have one tomorrow. A little puppy flu over the weekend. Because it's going to be an adventure. It's about a two-hour drive from downtown and then a two-hour drive back, which I'm expecting to take multiple hours. Nah, <laughs> you'll be all right. But I'm looking for tips because you're bringing your puppy home on the lap for two hours. It's kind of a heartbreaking day. I don't want to like... No, I'm already emotional thinking about like you just take him from his family. So I have one experience with this, obviously, because I have a dog. And it was it was already being neglected. So it, we needed to go get it. I see. When, when got it. That's emotional too. And so we got, I don't know, what are you, is you six weeks right now? Or eight weeks? Eight. So we got button. it at six. We eight had to get it early. on the button. So when you're the, legally allowed to take them. Eight, I was, you know, I was legally captive, uh, my dog, I guess. Uh, the only thing I remember is like shaking the whole time, like scared. I can imagine and that. And then might by happen. the end, it's kind of okay because it is a long ride. It's probably the same as you. I was mm-hmm. like two hours as well. But by the end, it's like, fine. I guess they have short term memories. I'm not really sure. I hope so. Like a goldfish. But like a little bit sad, but like so happy at the same time. So you'll go through all that stuff, but you'll be fine. The ride home will be great and everything will be awesome. I can't wait. But if you have tips for the travel part of it, you let me know. 590, 590. Also, the next. Six months of my life. <laughs> Any tips? <laughs> that's, I mean, that's... The, the journey begins. I'll be coming from, in with some sleepy stories. It goes from like stories. this shaking, innocent thing that you feel bad for to devil in mm-hmm. a short amount of time. Yesterday, I was climbing around on my hands and knees on my apartment, puppy-proofing, pretending I was a dog. It's smart because you're seeing a thing at <laughs> different like, levels. where are you going with this? But you, you see, but you see things at a different level. There's cords. I didn't know there was cords hanging underneath the, you know... Behind the record player, got to tape those up. Got to make sure that the cords that have my nice Rogers Ignite Wi-Fi box, they're not available for some chomping. Yeah, you don't want chomping on those. I can't have that. I can't have my Rogers. So I'm ripping around and there's things that you didn't know were down there. Mm-hmm. Like all of my cat springs, those got to be picked up. Your cat springs? You know the little springs they chase? Oh. Yeah, like, you know, those are like lodged sure under the, things. Sure the dog will enjoy those. Yeah, you know, I don't want a choking hazard day one. I'm trying to That's keep them safe. Anyway, it's an exciting journey ahead, folks. Okay, you want one tip? I'll give you one more tip on puppy proofing. Cayenne pepper. Wow. If you don't want them going around in a certain area, let's say there's wires you can't really conceal. Mm -hmm. Put a little cayenne pepper on there, one one sniff of that, and they will not go near it. That's a good tip, and that should be pet... Like, it's not like a t- chemical. It's a, no, it's a mean, better thing. You than... eat it, so I'm sure it's it's fine. What if my dog likes spice? <laughs> and then you might be in trouble. He's a big hot sauce guy. That that would be a little extreme. Just like straight cayenne pepper <laughs> up, the, up, up the snoot, the snot, the, what is it? Snoot. Snout? Snout. Snout. Up the snoot. That's ah, a tough one for us. That's a tough start. So that's exciting. The other exciting thing for my weekend was that my... Two of my really close friends asked me to officiate their wedding next year. One one year from next month. One year next month. April weeks. next month. Yeah, yeah. Masters weekend? Well, I don't know the exact weekend of it, okay, but it's in the spring. It might be Masters it's weekend. It's in the spring of next year, but anyway, I get to officiate their wedding, so I got to figure out how to do that too. So tips. Very exciting. Well, you have a year. I mean, first, let's get through the six months. It might be in May. Puppy. I don't know for sure this, but they haven't really. Nailed down the dates yet. So that's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. I think you're not like you have to go through a process to get to be an efficient. Do you? Yeah. You don't just get to stand up there and be like, all right, you guys are married. Cheers. I think, I think there's like some sort of legal process. I think I've only been to one wedding where a friend was, and it was awesome. Like he did a terrific job I know, because the it's so on. much more personal, right? 
and like there's no wasted words when it's someone that you hire like mm-hmm. they try mm-hmm. they try to get as much information as possible but they go to like stock jokes and they feel like you hear the same thing over and over no, and over again. No, mine has to be eloquent, elite, funny, if personable. You're, yeah. If you're going the comedic route, no, I'm not trying to like make no, people I'm not laugh. Saying, no, but you're no, you have to make people laugh a little bit. Right, There's I'm not going to do stand up. But up if there. you're the couple and you go the comedic route, it's better to do someone you know because they mm. have the personal stories, whatever they understand you. But if you're going like the very sincere and maybe like the the normal efficient's better, a little but bit like, of both probably. You have to you have to hit both uh, notes. They're like, well, you do a this for a living. Like, you're, I'm like, it's so different. Like, you want me to go up there and uh, I'll m- mention Middle East might be in the playoffs? Be like, by the way, your love is as strong as that first line. <laughs> well, and your power, the power play between you two is the chemistry is clicking. You already have some material right there. I'm ready. You can refine it a little bit, but you're on your way. Yeah, I had a very exciting stretch of days here. So, And another big thing from your weekend, mm-hmm. the FanX Cup starts off with a winner. $1,000 in your bank account on the FanX Cup with Scotty Scheffler mm-hmm. winning the Players' Championship. My buddy Minwoo Lee could not uh, get it he done. Fell off there. But that's the beauty of this competition, mm-hmm. I think. Because I was all, I'm Team Minwoo. It was Min exciting. Woo. I'm Team Minwoo. I'm trying to like, I, I'm trying to beat you. How about you Victor the, Hovland there in the final day too? Yeah, he was, he was in there. Homa made a little run too. Our leaderboard looked okay. Yeah, we, looked, on, we did a pretty good job for our first weekend. Except for my number one overall draft pick, a little tummy ache. Oh. Little tummy ache for John Rahm couldn't get out there and perform That's why for me. I didn't him. pick him. He grinds my gears. I mean, your number one pick missed the cut too. Hey, but in the end, I think Scotty it, it was at plus okay. one thousand was a steal. If you just p- keep picking Scotty, uh, you might be in a good spot. Um, Did pretty good. But yeah, we'll do it again good this week. week. Gonna... I believe the Valspar Championship Ooh. is this week. Okay. It might be a little bit less, less obvious, less prolific to... of a tournament, but but it's my chance to catch up to you. Things I need eleven. I need eleven hundred dollars if I'm going to win this thing. So starts this weekend. Okay, well, don't swing for the fences on the first one. What do you mean? Like, you know, maybe you get a good 600. Well, no, that's the strategy now. You have like, to go I, every I should, tournament sh- to try to it's beat. It's hard to hit outrights. I'm not, I, I can't believe I did that. I don't think I'm going to hit. I don't think I'm going to pick anyone under 1,000 or 10 to 1. Because if I actually win one and I'm still trailing, what does that do for me? That's true. What a great start then. So you're going to get all the short odds. <laughs> players now and i'm gonna be you're from behind it's tough scrounging it's real Still, tough it's buddy. a long pga tour season well we got lots of time for that um great maple leafs game on saturday night raptors on friday night not so great world baseball classic canada with a historic just a start. hilarious game it was Absolutely honestly too much un- it was, it was a bit unhinged was it not it was like sensory overload i was just like i can't handle this at the moment <laughs> it was just too much too soon I, I might have to revisit things with Canada a little bit, but like it was just, it was too much. Yeah. It's too much baseball. Lots too much of, bad baseball. Lots of crazy things happened in the World Baseball Classic already. Um, we'll get to that. But we'll start, with, we'll start with Leafs Oilers because we were teeing that one up for a couple days. The Leafs had a few days of rest before that game, returning from home. They played Tuesday and then had a couple days before they had the big Saturday night hockey night Canada matchup. McDavid, Matthews, um, a very exciting. What a game to be at. Hot ticket. 7-4 win from the Maple Leafs on home ice. And uh, it had everything. It had highlight reel goals. It had some scuffling, some post-game remarks. It had comebacks, victory, crazy celebrations, glaring into the stands. It had the star showdown of Nolachari and Co. <laughs> it had everything. It was an awesome game. Um I did not watch it in person for the first time all season long as well. So, What was the view like from the couch? Um, I had a good viewing experience. I was a slug. <laughs> horizontal. Yep. One eye open. No, it was a good game. I kind was of the best way to up. do it sometimes. I was horizontal. It was a great game. Um, I guess starting with the showdown of the head-to-head best teams in Canada. Mm-hmm. Leafs uh, victorious this time around after two and a half weeks ago of a bit of an embarrassing loss to the Oilers while they're on their West Coast road trip. Two and a half or one and a half? Yes, whatever. Time is... I think one and a half. Who knows? With the daylight savings, I don't even know anything about time anymore. It's tough getting to bed last night, I tell you. Really? I have never an issue getting to bed. That was the first time since I started this job that I couldn't sleep right away. Wow. I didn't felt even, earlier. I didn't notice a thing. I felt pep in my step today. Okay. I'm going to have trouble sleeping for the next six months of my life, but I soaked it in last night. That might be true. Daylight savings means nothing. Um, Matthews, better than McDavid this time around. Was he? Statistically-ish. 
the, the core four better. I think maybe Mitch Marner was better well, than uh, that's the thing now. It's we like teed this up should, as Matthews we re- versus McDavid. Should we rephrase this we moving should. forward? Should it be Marner versus McDavid? Mm-hmm. It should be at Marner least, versus everyone. At least this season it's Marner versus everyone. Yeah. Uh he definitely stole the show. It was as good of a selkie type performance as you could possibly mm-hmm. possibly imagine. Especially from a winger. Uh that that the award is normally reserved for centers, and that makes all the sense in the world. They do log more defensive responsibility. But Mitch Marner making it happen with the defense first, creating offense through defense. I mean, that is exactly what you Mm -hmm. need to see in the postseason. Can you replicate that? Can you do that over and over again? No, probably not. You need Ryan McLeod's to throw pizzas right in front of his own net in order for that to happen. You got to capitalize on stuff like that, though. But but exactly, and Mitch Marner's ability to turn over the puck, counter strike, do it decisively, clinically. I mean, that was one of Mitch Marner's finest performance of the season, and what has been his best season. Every and what week is, almost. And exactly. We, and we continue to say it. And, uh, you know, I don't know really where it puts the conversation. I don't think it really matters. But you need him to be this if you're going to have success. Mm-hmm. He's shown what kind of player he can be, what sort of impact he can have in big spots. You need to see this. You need it. This team is its best self when Mitch Marner is playing that way. And again, goals, it's easier to like really cherry pick. Just if you play that way with that purpose defensively leading that way, you're going to be in such a good spot. I think we really should start the Selkie conversation with Mitch Marner. And I think sometimes we jokingly talk about that, but it has become a little bit more serious down the stretch. I don't know if you have the odds or we save that for the wake and rake. No, I don't think you can really bet on it. Well, honestly. it's it's certainly become a, a real conversation, not here just in the Toronto market, but I think league-wide getting a little bit more shine he's got the most takeaways at five on five he's tied for second in short-handed goals fifth most points on the power play top 15 in points at five on five eight in points overall this season he's aggressive on both ends of the ice he's really been the catapult of the maple leafs throughout this season we're going to do our own version of the oscars at seven thirty, where we're going to hand out awards for toronto sports teams he might be like everything everywhere all at once last night at the Oscars mm. because he's got quite a few awards lined up in, in terms of my ballot. I won't spoil anything. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's we, a lot of Mitch Marner up at the stage today. Yeah. It was like, deservedly so. I love the idea. I think we should do it. It was really hard to not put in, not even just Maple Leafs, mm-hmm. not put in Mitch Marner. I guess we're on the same page for our best actor category. But, but a four point night again. He deserves it. Three points for McDavid, three points for Tavares, two points for Nylander, two points for Matthews. It was star-studded evening at Scotiabank Arena, and that's the type of game that the Maple Leafs will have to have led by their core four and Olachari if they want to win playoff series, Um, especially when it's one of the biggest games that we've circled on the calendar where it's a moment to, like, make a statement. There hasn't been too many games as of late where – or in the future until you play the big guys, the Bruins, the Lightning, I guess, even tonight against the Sabres who battle the QEW claw in their way somewhere. That was just a really great opportunity to see what a, what a core four-led team will be because that's ultimately what's going to have to happen if they want to win a playoff round or two or three. Yeah, as much as it was about Mitch Marner, like he was the shining light in the game, uh, a brilliant performance from the entire core four. And I don't like we could start at the lower end of that, which is not a slight against John Tavares, but in terms of the core four, he's he's the fourth in command. Mm-hmm. And he, after a week off, I mean, decisive stuff from his goal scoring and setup perspective. Like John Tavares, he doesn't have to be a burner. He doesn't have to be dominant five on five. He doesn't have to be play driving. He doesn't need this and that for them to have success in the postseason. He needs to take his chances when he gets them. We talked about John Tavares being more of a weapon, someone you're trying to free up, someone you're trying to get cookies on the power play. If he plays like that, where he gets it on his stick, it's going to someone to put in the back of the net or he's putting in the back of the net, you're in a really good spot. Again, it's maybe not the Austin Matthews that we we saw last year, not the one that's outscoring or outplaying Connor McDavid, but he was brilliant in his spots. And he even got in the sulky conversation mm-hmm if the Selkie was decided in one game with that strip to set up John Tavares uh, on that beautiful goal. And then, of course, William Nylander, the most, arguably the most consistent on this team, scoring when he gets his opportunity. Those four were incredible, and they were 
only really incredible for, you know, the second two periods in that game. And maybe it was a little sleepy to start. And maybe it's been a little sleepy at times. But if those guys have that sort of contribution, which is maybe easier against the Oilers than the Lightning or Bruins, you're in such, like, you are, that's what you need. You, they just laid it out for us. Like, that's what those four are capable of, no matter who's really around mm-hmm. them. And we, you mentioned Nolachari. Yeah. How much did that help? He bookended the games, mm-hmm. the game with scoring. Some depth contributions. Like, you had it all from the Maple Leafs in that game. But you can't have it all without those four doing what they did. And they were exceptional on Saturday night in a big spot. Exactly. And, and John Tavares having some time off looked like a refreshed guy. Maybe we really opened the conversation about load management being a thing that you just utilize down the stretch. Don't worry about the PR team and having to sugarcoat anything. Just give some of your stars some rest because if they come out and have a performance like that on a almost a week of time off, I'm, I'm down for it. Mm-hmm. Just, just let it go. Geo, take note. Like, let's maybe a little bit more. Maybe there's a couple games in the stretch where you don't see Matthews. Or you don't see. I can't imagine a game without Mitch Marner, though. It's like, what's, what's happening? I don't think you need one without Mitch Marner. No. But, you know, this is certainly a consideration. The Maple Leafs play Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday of this week, and Tuesday. Um, a long stretch at home with one trip to Ottawa as well. So, some opportunity to maybe see how this goes. Looks like Matt Murray will start again tonight um, against the Buffalo Sabres who are in town. What are your thoughts on that? That's a little a little surprising when it came across the timeline yesterday. It's because Ilya Samsonov isn't feeling well. Like that's, what's, yep. what does it mean not feeling well? He just said that he's not um, Is this John, feeling John 100%. Tavar is not feeling well? Is this Samson, messaging? Samsonov per Keefe is, quote, not quite at 100%, so they've opted to give him some extra time to rest. Okay, that's fine. So they're going to they're gonna play both of them. He added that the plan is to have both of them play at various points this week. As I mentioned, there's a lot of games this week. So Murray getting two opportunities in three days is or two days is, I'm fine with okay, it. Okay, I'll rephrase my question. Let's say Samsonov is good, and he's probably very, very close to being good if they expect them both to start mm-hmm. this week. Do you want one of them to get the lion's share of the the opportunities here? Do you want... Not yet. You want them to keep splitting this? I like think, this is still an open competition? I do, I do think so. Um, about two months ago, before Matt Murray's recent injury, we had the same discussion about giving one person the run. We didn't really get that opportunity, though, because Murray got injured, and then Samsonoff was shouldering a lot of the load, and then we had some backup options that weren't Murray as he was on LTIR for a bit. Um, so I'm I'm actually, with this amount of games in the next two weeks, I'm good to see a little bit of back and forth because I still think that there's an opportunity. I, I don't believe that the net has been won by anybody yet. I think it's certainly in Samson Us's favor, but a lot of that is because we haven't seen a lot of Matt Murray as of late. And yep. there has been some really great moments of Matt Murray, and there's still been some, ooh, are we sure that this is the guy to lead us into the playoffs? Well, that's kind of what you're going to find out over the next, what, five, four weeks until the Stanley Cup playoffs begin. I don't feel like I've really circled 100% who I want to be starting game one. I still think that there's a, a really healthy competition down the stretch, and I believe it should be a lot of what we see this next week too. Yeah, I think they still have to settle it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think that's... I don't know. It's kind of like a precarious position to be in, but it's kind of it's kind of nice too. Like it's, I mean, I, maybe maybe it's just nice from like a storyline perspective, something for us to talk about in the final four weeks. What were you guys talking about last year in the final four weeks of the season? Nothing other than Austin Matthews' chase for mm-hmm. sixty goals. Like Basically. that's the only thing that was really important last year because it seemed like everything was pretty much set in stone. Uh, I like how there's still competition. I like how both goaltenders need to ha- have their weapons sharp at this point. This is. I think a pretty good position to be in. It could be even much if worse if it was your... just Samsonov and Murray was out of the picture, right? So Definitely. here's your silver lining. And even if you've made the decision, even if it, like Samsonov is, has proven it to you, mm-hmm. keep proving it until the very end, and we'll see if anything changes. But right now, I'd give the edge to Samsonov. But again, if Matt Murray is the Matt Murray that, when available, has been very good, mm-hmm. good to very good over the last little bit here with that playoff success, I think he can still play his way into the crease for game one, I was a little distracted because I was trying to figure out. I haven't done any real selkie work this year. I'm not really sure where everyone stands. So you, quick, Mr. Futures? You can't bet on it. Otherwise, I'd be all over it. I understand. <laughs> uh, but uh, you should be able to bet on it, by the way. That's like the ultimate narrative play. And narrative plays are the only thing that seem to be working of late for me. Uh, <laughs> so 
Patrice Bergeron, I mean, this this list that I brought up is like all Boston Bruins. Felino, Bergeron, Marchand, DeBrusque, Greer, like amazing numbers across the board. Trent Frederick for defensive contribution, if you want to measure it this way, from the Boston Bruins, which tells you everything about their season. Um, but Patrice Bergeron in particular, a 69% goals for percentage at five on five. Mitch Marner. He's crazy. Mitch Marner's hanging out in the... 60% range. Now, hmm. like that's not the be-all, end-all. Mm-hmm. But Certainly part of it. It's kind of the standard, right? It's like, oh, Mitch kills penalties. That's the difference between maybe him and Austin Matthews. Well, Patrice does that too. And so the numbers, like, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of reason to put him in that conversation. Does his defense lead to more offense than Patrice Bergeron? I'd say anecdotally, maybe. But it's just like that's what Boston does is like they own the puck and Patrice Bergeron's going to have unbelievable underlying numbers, which go a long way in these discussions. However, I don't think you can really ignore it because if you're putting together like a Selkie tape of what it looks to be, looks like to be a Selkie trophy candidate, you just need one game from Mitch Marner the other night, him knocking down passes, scoring goal. It was an amazing goal. Mm -hmm. The pass to William Nylander, terrific. I mean, that is what you want from a Selkie Trophy winner. I think that's what the award, the spirit of the award should be. It's like brilliant defense to lead to offense. It's not more evident on anyone else than Mitch Marner when doing that. Like he is the king of turning his defensive acumen into goals for the Toronto Maple Leafs. He deserves that credit. I hope he gets a nomination. I don't know if he'll win, but he's, his numbers definitely suggest and the eye test suggests that he should. That's a major storyline out of Saturday, um, as well as some bad blood on the ice. John Tavares, Captain John Tavares, fined $5,000 for slashing. Forget the goal and, and the, the the offensive production. Fiery the thing Tavares. I liked the most about it was that. And him apologizing was the, no. thought, the thing I liked the least about I the know, weekend was the least. own it, buddy. Yeah, so John Tavares, um, a little slashing moment. Not a big deal. He does speak about this. Um, right on the, the injured wrist of yeah. Vinny DeHarnay. Yeah, That's just, a great hockey name, by the way. Vincent DeHarnay. Yeah, he was born to be a Unbelievable. puck star. Um, a we do, puck star. We do have a, a quote from yesterday's practice, um, Tavares, on getting fined, which 5000 bucks. It's no uh, 30000 by Fred Van Vliet, but it's another fine. Toronto sports guys racking up the dough. Here's Tavares on his, uh, his fine. Yeah, obviously I got to be better uh, uh, in that scenario. No, you don't, uh, John. Trust me. Emotions better, so uh, that's on me. And um, heat of the moment, obviously, uh, course course of things throughout the game, and uh, uh, just uh, have to control your emotions better in that situation. You know, regardless of uh, you know what I may feel or uh, um, something going on that I don't like. So, you know, I'm better than that, and I, you know, learn from it. But he's a captain. I hate, I hate that so much. I know, Justin, but I, no. are you surprised it's John Tavares, Here's Mr. What... Politically and um, Correct? Like, he's not going to ever say anything outside of his PR captain, trained. poster boy guy. Yeah, what he's going to be like, oh, I'd slash him again in a heartbeat. I hope I broke his say, wrist. listen, heated game. Like, we were we were battling out there. Like, that's all I want to hear I'm from you. I'm in agreement with you, but I'm saying and I am here, what did the, say? the least surprised. What was the, the, what was the quote there? I need to control my emotions better? No, you don't. We need to see more emotion. Mm -hmm. We need you to be pissed off John Tavares in the playoffs. Like, it can't be just easy for everybody else to play against you. That That is a problem with this that. team, specifically John Tavares in playoff moments. Now, it hasn't gone, like, perfectly to plan every single time he's been out in the, on the ice in the playoffs. I get all that, but you need to be a little bit meaner than you are. You need to not apologize for these things or at least not be apologetic on the ice. Mm -hmm. I want to see that exactly in a playoff game. I want him to be slashing the wrists of opponents in playoff games because it's too easy to play against John Tavares. It has been for a long time, and I don't want it to be in the playoffs. Own it, man. I agree. Own it. But in his role and in his no. upbringing and his PR-trained personality, it's not about the kids. I couldn't have been... If you showed me that in writing... I would have bet a million times that that was John Tavares speaking. Yeah. That quote. But yes, you're right. There needs to be some fire. That was a playoff-like performance from a lot of players on the team. There's going to be high stakes. There's going to be grittiness. There's going to be Michael Bunting and Evander Kane moments, which we'll get to now. But yes, John Tavares needs to bring some fire. It was great to see that. A well-rested John Tavares is producing and also mucking it up. But 
I'm not surprised that that's the... Uh... No, it's not surprising. You're right. Okay. Speaking of uh, physicality, Vander Kane and Michael Bunting going at it. Some Clearly, there's a little bit of hatred between these two. Mm-hmm. Um, two polarizing figures. Very much so. Very polarizing, these two. So we see the scuffle, the wrestling match. And I was listening to you and Gunner on Leafs talk post-game, mm-hmm. which was great. Shout out Gunner. Big fill-in, e-bug for you guys. The e-bugs. It's, Not often you get two e-bugs. Yeah, that's, oof, that's tough. Shane Gillis must have been in town. <laughs> and you guys, and you made a good point about, like, is there anyone else in, like, the history of sport that bugs people enough but never has to, like, fight anyone? That's Michael Bunting. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm actually impressed. Like, Evander Kane wanted to kill him. And, and he gets and, off and scot-free. I, and I don't understand. <laughs> I, also, I don't also understand how no one just does it. No one just drops their gloves and starts punching Michael Bunting. I don't get it. Because Michael Bunting says no. And we talk about this a lot. And I don't, like, mean to rail on him or whatever. Like, yeah, he, that's not what you do. That's fine. Line. But, like, all these guys, every game, someone wants to kill Michael Bunting. Someone is coming after him every game. And yet it's just like a two-minute coincidental. And then they talk in the media after. Like, that's the only thing that happens. I don't know how he does it. He's a magician when it comes to, like, he's very good at, like, doing the whole wrestling match. And that's all great. But, like... I thought Evander Kane was just going to actually do it. Finally, someone forced Michael Bunting in this situation because... If Evander Kane dropped his gloves, do you think Michael Bunting would have? No. He would have scurried off. No, I think he he would just grab and that's what he does. And that's fine. Again, you don't have to fight. It's all good. But like a lot of players in the NHL don't have to fight. Mm -hmm. They land a big hit and then all of a sudden gloves are flying off and they have to. But Bunting He's got always some finds sort of a way. Special He's great. Power. I don't know what it is. He's uh, leading the league, I believe, in drawn penalties um, or right up there one and one believe Connor McDavid's also in the boat. Um, but after the game, the storyline is that uh, Vander Kane calls out Michael Bunting mm-hmm. in the media, and he knows that the media is going to pick up anything that Vander Kane has to say, especially after this uh, this game. So he's calling Bunting out for diving and embellishment. We got the clip. You know, it's funny. The way the, you know, you want to get these these little ticky-tack calls, and, you know, he likes to dive and um, embellish, and you, know, you want to get that out of the game, but they... They, they prevent guys from uh, from the consequences of those actions. You know, a lot of the time they, they get in the way. Sometimes the refs and you know, uh, I think fighting is a great deterrent of those type of players and actions. And um, you know, it just prevents guys from having to answer the bell. Like you know, he's a perfect example of that. There you go. He's kind of like calling for a fight in that. You know, guys just get off. They don't have to stand up for themselves. Fighting's a great opportunity. Mm-hmm. Michael Bunting has never had a career NHL fight. By no. The way. And one of his tricks is not fighting, but also like largely avoiding penalty for diving and embellishment because Evander Kane speaks some truth there. Mm-hmm. Michael Bunting is flailing around every game. That's, that's, that's what he does. Like he's our Michael Bunting. He's our diver, but he's a diver. He's a diver. Like he does. I don't know why. Like I, I think Michael Bunting got a stick in the face and I guess like went down with a little extra. I think that's what set him off, which you know is a what? little strange. You know what? If people strange, are getting a, st- a stick in the get, face, I yeah, it's shocking. I don't blame you, can, you for flying in, down in like a sack league, of potatoes. If you get smacked in the face with a cage, it's like yeah. oh, like 100%. that just happened. Your head snaps back. Like it, it's a little jarring to get hit in the face. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt on embellishing, getting sure. high sticked. But Michael Bunting embellishes. If we're being honest with ourselves, he's. An embellisher. Mm-hmm. And I think it's not even the biggest issue is Evander Kane recognizing it. It's that officials are recognizing it more and more. And that trick isn't the working as much. The benefit of the much. doubt is long gone. Exactly. And I we've been talking about this for a while, too. It, like, he was kind of new and he was a hometown gritty guy. Where everyone was fired up. He was defending Matthews a lot. And he didn't get as much the book is out hate now. as much. And now one season later, it's like, we know this guy. The like, book is out on mm-hmm. the on the embellishment and that's why he got into the position where he's been in the last month where yeah you're the bunting effect isn't as strong in many ways in that way the embellishment way and in just your play and he's had to earn his way back up into more important minutes and the Leafs started 11-7 and bunting played a focal role but maybe didn't start in a focal role whatever he's got to earn his ice time like a lot of other players on this team but he's got to find different ways to be effective because some of the Michael Bunting tricks aren't working as well as the one where he just doesn't have to fight anyone. One last one on this before we shift to a little World Baseball Classic 
and some Raptors talk. And by the way, we'll have Frank Saravelli on at 7 and Luke Fox on at 8. And in between, we'll do our own version of the Oscars. Best dramatic dive, Michael Bunting. Mm. Um, here is Bunting talking about Kane's comments after he heard them post game. And, uh, you know, his response is really like, I don't have a response. <laughs> I don't really care, to be honest. <laughs> I'm not going to lose sleep over it. Um, yeah, just made a few comments, but I'm not really the type to bring it to the media. So I'm just going to leave it at that. I just went to forecheck and he got in my way and he hit me. But um, you know what? This is the ref's call and you just got to keep playing. Like, it is what it is. I just I just stick to my game. I I play every shift hard and I try to compete out there and I, I try not to let things bug me right now. So I'm moving on from it. Maybe it wasn't the high stick. Maybe it was. They're, they did get, two guys got tangled up. I think he was trying to slip by someone. Mm. They they were jousting, I guess. But just typical Michael Bunting stuff, I guess. The energy and the fierceness will be back tonight. Sabres, Leafs, uh, battle of two guys right over the border that like to play hard against each other as well. Sabres I, struggling since yeah, that after win that I you went, witnessed. Um, yeah. The last Saturday and saw him up close and personal. They've they lost gave four everything. times since then? They gave everything they could on that Saturday. It's a tough is, week. I was losses. so excited to follow this team, hopefully to the playoffs. Like I really want to see it. They've kind of had a tough stretch here, but Ottawa fading too. that like nice Eastern conference playoff the race. Bump is after not... the trade deadline that we are like, Ottawa's going all in. It's been a tough go. For We're just well. going to get the New York Islanders in the eighth seed with Pierre Engvall. And maybe they will be actually, well, I mean, they're not beating Boston, but maybe they will be in the Bruins bracket. Maybe they'll be in the Leafs bracket. There you go. The dream would be the Engvall second round series versus I what the Chris Leafs. Chris in London would Pierre have to Engvall say about in the that. second round. He loves Pierre Engvall. Just to get him back on his TV screen. Um, so that's 7.30 p.m. tonight. Um, I cannot imagine a better bet than the over. I am, We already have Allie in Toronto saying she's smashing the over. Okay. The wake and rake picks. Is that yours? You're already laying down well, the gauntlet? Like, maybe we'll let Allie have that one. But okay. it sounds like a high-scoring game tonight. Looking forward to that one. Maple Leafs back. Colorado on Wednesday. Hurricanes on Friday. A big game with some big opportunities for some points. Um, speaking of points and runs, holy crap. Canada, Great Britain at the World Baseball Classic opener. A battle of... Two teams with possibly the worst jerseys we've seen in the last decade of professional sports. You will see men's league, beer league games, matchups with better jerseys at the worst rink in Toronto on a Wednesday night every single time. Brutal. So bad. And the like the Great Britain <laughs> ones made the Canadian ones look, look really good. Really good. Great Britain's were so bad. So bad. One thing I liked about Great Britain, so we got to unpack this game. It was absolutely unhinged. Canada mercy rules Great Britain, which I want to get people's opinions on thank, if thank that God. needs to happen. Okay, interesting. Um, so they mercy ruled them in the seventh inning. Canada was up 18 to 8. So if a team's leading by 10 or more runs in the seventh inning, they can call the game. That's just for the like round robin games. Obviously, when there's more uh, knockout opportunities, they're not going to mercy rule because you never know. But you do yeah, know. <laughs> but I guess try to not to tax pitching staffs in a short tournament. I think uh, Canada yeah. plays four days in a row. Like it's a lot. If you need, happening to, here. Yeah, if you need all, to use all your pitchers in the first game, that's kind of. I mean, they might be in trouble anyway, but. That would really hurt you. But it was a, a must-win start for Canada. Um, the highest-scoring World Baseball Classic game in history. That first inning alone, like if you just get, you want to watch one inning of World Baseball Classic, watch this first inning because it was hysterical. It was pretty much the game. Like that's all you really needed. It was It was kind of just a repeat of happened. that over and over and over again. Everything Everywhere all at once. There you go. Was Second reference to Best Picture. Unreal movie, by the way. If you didn't get a chance to go, if you didn't watch Oscars last night, they cleaned up deservingly so. 5-3 Canada after the first inning. That game must have taken, and maybe Danielle can confirm, I don't know, seven hours. It just never ended. Good thing they mercy ruled. If they didn't mercy, maybe seven hours. It would have taken into t- this this morning. <laughs> We'd still be watching it. Yeah. Um, there was uh, there's just, it was it was a lot. You said you didn't really enjoy the experience of watching this game. I had to turn it off, honestly. Like, I could not handle it. It was just so... It felt like something that was happening at the park down the street. Like, it was completely unhinged. It was... That's fun, though. But it wasn't fun. It was like... And eventually, it was just like, okay, Canada's just whipping them. Well, you don't like fun, so I'm not surprised. But that, that was fun. 
Yeah. What was fun about that? Canada starts uh, down three nothing. They get five runs in the first okay, inning. The, the five the five run first was like okay, this is not a disaster. This is enjoyable. But then when it kept happening over and over and over again, it's just like okay, I've seen enough of pitchers from Great Britain or Great Britain, you know, descendant. I've seen enough of them get lit up. And I saw enough, frankly, of a Great Britain team lighting up Canadian pitching. But old Cal Quantrill did hey, not pride necessarily... and joy of Port Hope. Like I thought that was the one guy we can count on to put some good innings together. Yeah, Doesn't make it out of the okay. first against Great Britain. You know your Hamlet. Like, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about him and uh, our we'll connection with We'll talk about him Port if he Hope. can kind of settle things down <laughs> in his next start. If he gets a next start. Well, I just thought it was... I, I absolutely enjoyed it. Okay. And, and you know what I else I liked about it was that Great Britain's home run celebration is they put on a crown, a I robe, do like that. and they have their little cane. Was it like a scepter? It's called. I I, well, I I thought they were getting knighted. Well, yeah, they get the whole shebang. They What's lean the into it. It's like the stick, like the. Oh, so they, that's not the thing that was knighting them. Anyway, they were getting knighted. They were they were kings. For it was awesome. That's so funny. I was just thinking funny. about John Schneider just being so. And like, then I thought, angry. I thought, imagine <laughs> the Blue Jays. Obviously, they wouldn't go this route. But Great Britain's leaning actually. into it. It was fun. I enjoyed seeing that. It just it felt like a. It didn't feel like a real serious high stakes game. Feel, but it that's is. It's a like world baseball it. classic. It didn't feel like a. It didn't feel like a real game. The jerseys, the knighting, the yeah, it was the ridiculous. Com- but the sometimes combined twenty six runs in seven innings. It was a little bit much. The highest scoring game in world baseball history. Did that feel like best on best? No, we didn't. And we're not we're not supposed to be in the best on best situation. We're, Canada plays the United States today, which will be a big one. They um, lost to Mexico last night. And they lost to Mexico last night. And their roster is absolutely incredible. So tonight will be or today will be an interesting one. Um <laughs> It's uh, It doesn't stack up nicely, but they lost to Mexico last night. There's been some really fun games so far. Um, my Dominican Republic lost. Mm-hmm. It's a tough go for me right now at the start of the World Baseball Classic. I mean, I will. USA lost. I think Japan's just going to win this thing, though. They're probably the only ones taking it r- real serious. Anyway, I, mean, I, uh, I liked Venezuela it. Venezuela's probably it was fun. taking it serious. I think Puerto Rico lost, too. Like, it's uh, it's a wacky tournament. It's, it's, it's weird. It's very weird. One really great thing that I liked out of the game that might warm your heart because you don't like fun, John Axford, mm-hmm. who we know, turning 40 in April in one month, was... Just mowing down British Mowing British down <laughs> the Brits. The Br- mowing down the Brits on the world stage. Yeah, of it's course I can get behind that. beautiful story. He has gone through some injury issues, of course. He's turning 40, doesn't have a, a real idea about his career maybe ending he brought 15 of his family members to the game and said if this is it i want you all here for it he had a three up three down six inning he's throwing 94 like ooh, take a look at him again blue jays because mm. he might be a good option for fifth starter depending on how things go with our buddy mvp of the grapefruit league kikuchi and co mm-hmm. but jose barrios didn't have a great inning this weekend so i'm not going to sound the alarms but that's definitely the most concerning thing out of like all the baseball mm-hmm. news we're getting is Jose Brios uh, not having a good outing again. Did you I, see the you s- lines on that? Uh, the stats? No, what was it? Jose Brios, six runs, five earned in one inning of work. Oh my gosh. I just telling you. You're not working on stuff for Puerto Rico. That's you're, a tough You're one. pitching, you're battling. That's tough. You're trying to get through the innings unscathed. Good thing, yeah. we, good thing we have the Grapefruit League MVP. Uh, you have a note here on Philippe Oman, who oh, yeah. came in in relief of Cal Quantrill, I believe, in the first inning. So Rash Madani's there, and he's, he's tweeting out some good stuff. He's got some good stories. But, yeah, he comes in to pitch the second. Two months ago, he fractured his tailbone from playing beer league hockey and couldn't work the farm he operates for a living. Tell me you've heard something more Canadian than that sentence. No, tell me you've heard something more World Baseball Classic than yeah. that. We've got a Canadian pitcher who uh, who we needed in a big spot, who we needed to come in and mm-hmm. settle things down, who broke his tailbone playing beer league hockey and the farm that he works on, the farm that he operates, mm-hmm. is now non-functional because of it. That is That's the Canada, world, that is world, Canada, baseball, Canada, classic, the world baseball classic right there. Philippe Omar, uh just a stud out there on the mound, but not, not necessarily a star beer league player and the farm's <laughs> suffering because of it. Shout out to Tyler O'Neill, though, our guy. Yeah, that's our buddy. 
He, he had, had a great day. Great offensive night against uh, the Brits. You come on the Freddie show Freeman and you get too. a boost, the fan morning show boost. Four runs, four RBIs, uh, four for four, I believe. And Freddie Freeman, Otto Lopez, we know him well as well. He has a great Celine Dion walk-up songs. They're leaning into some of the fun here. It's just goofballs. Like this isn't this, this isn't, isn't the World Series. Live a little. No, but it's it's best on best international competition, which is the most serious thing in global sports. Mm-hmm. World Cups, Olympics. This is like everyone's big moment. This is just like a bunch of people from different places around well, the world having a, having a blast out there. And it's going to be more serious tonight. So we've got the World Baseball I Classic hope. here on Sportsnet. Um, Canada's back in action tonight against the United States at 10 p.m. on Sportsnet 1. Obviously, higher stakes. Anytime Canada, United States plays in any sport, hockey, soccer, chess, baseball, it's intense. So maybe you get a little bit more serious tonight, Justin. You can watch and with your grimace. Mm-hmm. Well, you enjoy serious baseball, but Sunday was a nice, fun start to a championship or a weekend that, or a week here. How long is this tournament? Doesn't matter. Well, some they're coming from a overseas, so it better be long. Of time where there will be some high stakes baseball and maybe some more fun. Mitch Bratt is going to be on the mound for Canada against Lance Lynn, the United States. Yeah, the United States roster is gross, so. Maybe they can get something Best off luck. Lance I mean, Lynn, though. They're coming off a loss, so we got Nolan Arenado, Pete Alonso, Mookie Betts, Paul Goldschmidt. It's JTL Ramuto, Schwarber, Mike Trout, Mike Trout. It's a, yeah, it's a good it's lineup a good over line. there with the United States, we'll but see. Uh, you know, the run scoring was not an issue for Canada. It's right. Maybe they just outscore teams and then Mercy roll them and end the game. <laughs> um, okay, so one other Canadian Toronto sports to update is the Raptors. Yeah. Oof. Sorry to leave this one for last. But I'm then we'll not, go into the A-list and we'll bring the vibes sorry. back. I'm not sorry. You know what I like better than Canada at the World Baseball Classic? Or worse, rather, mm. than Canada at the World Baseball Raptors Classic? Raptors losing. The Toronto Raptors weekend. And the Toronto Raptors <sighs> in general right now, who, as you write, are closer to 12th in the lottery than they are to ninth place. So the Raptors go on this West Coast trip. I, uh, the way I feel about the Raptors now is that the excitement, the honeymoon phase is over post-trade deadline. We were excited because Jakob Pertl had changed this team and they were going to go for this run and we finally knew the direction of where the Raptors want to go and that's just the win. Get into the play. They go on this five-game road trip and they go one for four. And there's some winnable games. There's some games that they were outclassed for sure. But they're clinging into this playoff spot right now in ninth. Um, About to play seven out of their next eight at home though. And they've been pretty good at home. But this is now again... The stretch that defines the season. But this is it. Like, this is, there's no more moral victories with the Raptors. And I think I've been trying to find those. Oh, you know, they had a really great start to the game and they had that last minute push and they didn't get it. Oh, we had a great opportunity to see, you know, Pascal Siakam lead this team on five consecutive nights of 25 points or more. Like, that's a very exciting moral victory. At this point, there's no more room for moral victories. You're either going to win games that mean something or you're not. And again, against the Lakers, it's a letdown of massive size. The bench outscored 61 to 12. Mm-hmm. The Lakers don't have LeBron James. Sure. That doesn't I mean, seem to matter to them. They're also in ninth place at this point, trying to have a, cl- a playing spot. They're both clawing in for something and they find a way to their bench outclass the Toronto Raptors. And ultimately you're not going to win a game if you're outscored 62 to 12. No. You have no chance. Uh, and just the LeBron, I mean, yeah, if LeBron James is out, addition by subtraction, whatever you want to call it, the bench weakens because someone's got to be elevated from the bench to play in the starting five. So, like, I don't know exactly how they match up head-to-head, what the expectations should be head-to-head, but 62 to what, you say 12? 61 to 12, sir. 61 to 12? That, uh, that's not what we expected. And, and that, that will sink you every single time. As you mentioned, Gary Trent Jr. had zero points, zero people in the half court game at the Lakers game had more points than Gary Trent yeah. Jr. Someone won five grand and put up more points than Gary Trent. Not, you can't for, have not a for getting zero more points. Point performance. If you're leading the second unit, so I, I don't understand. So I think when they were buyers instead of sellers, it was like, okay, they're going to make the playoffs. They're a better team. Oh, they've been underperforming all year. For sure. And and they'll figure it out and things won't be a disaster. Now we are trending towards disaster mode. 
I think the worst outcome of the season is probably still like you manage to come in 10th and you lose against the ninth place team like really easily in the first round or in the in the first game of the play-in. Like that's disaster. It's probably better that they miss the playoffs altogether. But then what does that say about your management team? That, yeah, maybe they did want to sell off. Maybe they, like, there were higher ambitions at the trade deadline. We'll put it that way. They wanted to do more at the trade deadline, but we're not going to just settle and we won't just trade away our, our assets for nothing. And deals will be there in the summer, And the deals will be in the summer. But you still added. And optically, if it only gets worse, what are we saying about the core that you kind of have shown at least every indication that you're looking to retain and spend maybe into the luxury tax and sell a bunch of tickets for way more money so we can just see you give more money to players that are not putting together even a decent product on the floor. Like, it's a really, really ugly situation kind of brewing here under the surface for the Raptors, and there's no real obvious way out of it. Yeah, maybe you play really well in the playing game, you win two games, you get in. Maybe, but the more likely scenario now is either finishing ninth or 10th, losing in the first game or losing in the second game, having brutal odds in the lottery, but still, I guess, some odds, and just accomplishing nothing this season. Accomplishing nothing this season looks like the most realistic and probable outcome, which is really, really difficult. Not that our conversation with Bobby Webster matters at all preseason, but what did he say? Progression. We want to progress. They've done nothing but regress, and they've tried to like they tried to put their foot in the ground and stop that from happening, and they failed. At least so far, they've failed. Again, if that's they could... the case, they, they they need to make some changes. Well, you, you, maybe it's you Nick Nurse. You don't have to pay Fred, although Fred's been one of the better players on this road trip. You don't have to double down with Gary Trent. You could trade OG. You could get really aggressive. You could sell off. I just don't have the confidence that they're going to make the right decisions. It seems like one of those management teams now that's like fallen in love with what they have. Well, I was looking forward to a Fred revenge game after the fine and the comments in the media, eight points in 36 minutes. But I will say looking for moral victories. OG and Scotty both had over 30 point performances. First time. And I believe in the Raptors last little while that two players had, 30-plus points, oh, yeah, since April 22. It was the first time that they had two players with 30-point. But what did what did Pascal game. have? Five for 13 shooting, he had 12, 12 points. points. Yep. So we, we're talking about merging timelines. We got to be quick here. Merging timelines at the start of the year. Can you do Pascal and Fred and merge that with Scotty and have something here? You haven't even been able to merge the Siakam and Pirtle timelines, even though they're besties. Mm-hmm. It seems like Pascal's game has fallen off a cliff since... Pirtle got here, and now well, it's not. Everybody can score, and now 40 it's not connected again. But like Pascal has to be better than he's been for the last. He hasn't been good since the All Star break. But what didn't that happen with he Fred last year too? Where he had Fred five consecutive games of twenty five plus points or more, and it was like tied for franchise history. This was last week. Well, I don't think he's been very good since. Well, have you seen the same Pascal at no. the start of the year lately? I think the problem with this whole team is consistency. Like we, we can shape numbers all we want, but mm-hmm. I haven't. I, when's the last time he had a good shooting night? We it's can, been a we couple can look games at it in the for break. sure. This, this road trip sh- wasn't it. He didn't play well awesome once on this him. road trip, at least for sure. In my recollection, I have a, still a lot of time and energy for Pascal Siakam. Okay, you let him off the I'm hook. Not, I, he he could be in on the ballot for some awards, but he probably oh, won't. he probably you're just won't saving be phase for later. He probably won't be winning any of them. I'll tell you that um, uh, he should not. Okay, so let's do the A list on the other side. I got an update on some exciting Jays ticket opportunities that are coming this year to Rogers Center, and somehow Jacob Chikrin returns to the conversation after we thought and I thought we were done with him. Sportsnet 590, the fan. Now it's time for hey, the A list. Bing bong, bing bong, bing bong. What's up, baby? If looking for a worthwhile bargain this summer, the Blue Jays announced that they are creating a $20 all in outfield district ticket for all home games where you don't have a reserve seat or space in the new $300 million stadium. But you can go about Rome and check out all of the places that we've been talking about for the last couple months, all the new decks, all the new fan zones, and you don't have a seat. I think it's 
honestly such a good idea. 20 bucks to get into a game and view from any of these areas, the flight deck, the Looney Dogs station. Like, it's actually it's such a smart idea. 20 bucks to do it, I'm in. I'll be at every game. 20 bucks for ticket, 20 bucks for hot dogs. Whew. Locked in. It, that's my it's type. really cool. That's my type of ticket, too. Like, I know things are going to be a little bit more comfortable at Rogers Center mm-hmm. this year. Things are going to be a little bit more spacious, more opportunity to get different sort of seating arrangements or whatever, consume the game you want. But, like, sometimes it's a little tight, thigh to thigh. Yeah. You know, I don't like being thigh to thigh. No, God. Thigh to thigh at the Blue Jay game can be a little, dif- you know, get up and walk around a little bit. So if you can just embrace that. It's great. Get up and walk around, but be at the ballpark. Well, that's I'm all like, for it. That's the feeling of these social areas, right? And maybe if you spend money on a ticket that you're in, like, the 200s or even the 100s, you might be less inclined to go get out of your seat and go check out some of these social areas. So, like, maybe you, you want to go for the viewing experience where you're sitting behind home plate. You're going to cash, you know, pay a little bit of money for those. But Or you want to go for 20 bucks and experience it. Maybe you're new to baseball. $20 is a super affordable start to head out there. You know, you can bring your kids. You might you might just be sitting. If you have children, maybe you're not sitting in your seats anyway. So you mm-hmm. grab the $20 tickets and you're walking around and you're showing all these new spots to them. I think it's a great decision. you got friends in seats. You can go like visit yeah, them for an inning, for sure. whatever. Just bounce around. I like it. I think it's great. Um, I think it's going to really allow for a lot more consistent attendance. Hey, 20 bucks. Let's go head, head down to the Rogers Center and Check it out. Um, last one here on the A-list, and we're going to ask Frank about it, so it's perfect timing. Uh, Jacob Chikrin. We talked about him for quite a while. Uh, he's obviously loving the Ottawa Senators experience. Mm-hmm. He was talking about this specific uh, diet that he's on. <clears throat> I'm eating raw liver, raw beef heart, doing all this crazy stuff. The taste is awful. But your body almost craves it when you eat it consistently because it's so nutrient-dense. Well, we're on the dog discussion. This is like the treat for dogs. This is... You're giving <laughs> you're them, right. It's a weekend. It's like, oh, let's, let's do something different for the, the, the doggo. Give them some beef organ. There's got to be a nutritionist listening or somebody that's a health nut that actually probably eats raw liver and beef. Whatever. I like I don't I don't know if that's good for you. I get what he's saying about it being slightly addictive though, because it's I'm not I'm, I'm just saying, like Ugh. if if something is fueling your body, that's right. Like I get I get what he his rationale, but just you don't have to do it. You don't. I do like though that Jacob Chickrens, he was like the most anonymous best most anonymous player in the league. Yeah. Now all of a sudden Jacob Chickrens like He's media well, star. He's just someone that's interesting <laughs> now. Like he was the most uh, he was only interesting because people talked about the trade. Now he's interesting yeah. for other reasons. Uh just, you know, it's probably wholly unnecessary. It is an ancestral diet. I love that. And that's what it's been called. I know that as a player I used to, you know, you carb load a lot, pasta, chicken, whatever. Maybe we're in a new era where it's Raw liver and raw beef heart. Let's hope not. Let's ask Frank about that on the other side of the break. Frank Saravelli, NHL insider and president of hockey content at dailyfaceoff.com.